the thing that keeps me motivated is that there are changes that we can make as people and as communities on large and small scales that have a whole host of benefits to the environment and also to populations and to people's well-being and health and all kinds of things. And those all have, you know, this mix of good benefits and good things that are brought into the world by just trying to make better choices about how we operate buildings, how we build them, how we educate children about the future, how we act in the world, how we make laws, all those things, like we can do them better. We know how to do them better. And so there's no reason not to because of the whole host of benefits that they bring. Hi, this is Joshua Spodek, and this is Leadership in the Environment. You're not the only one who cares about your impact enough to act. You're part of a global community undeterred by people saying, if others don't change first, then what I do doesn't matter, and other excuses. We've read the science. We can do this. This show is about personal responsibility, acting, and improving your life by your values. As guest after guest says, the challenge was hard, but thank you for getting me to do it. I wish I'd done it earlier. Listen on for leaders to inspire you. Hear their struggles. And then act. Go to joshuaspodick.com slash podcast to commit to a public, personal challenge of your own. You're not alone, and you don't have to wait for others. In this episode, you'll hear Anissa sharing openly a lot of what other people don't. This exercise brought out her behaviors that went against her values, but she doesn't hide them. You know, and most other people, including myself, before the food packaging and when I flew but didn't really want to know how much pollution the flying was causing, it's denial. It reminds me of the show Secret Eaters. It's this British TV show, and there are free episodes on YouTube, so you can just watch it. It's these people who are overweight and they don't want to be, and as far as they know, they're eating very healthily. But then in the show, you see that with the they have secret cameras and stuff, and they find out that people are eating a lot more than they think. Anissa jumps past all of this, and she openly shares, you know, this is what I'm doing. But she does something about it. I think she likes that this exercise shows what she's doing and enables her to do something about it. And that is self-awareness, a key component of leadership. This episode is about choices and making them conscious. She talks a lot about the difference between conscious and unconscious behaviors and trying versus giving up, but not letting go of forgiving herself. You'll hear that she forgives herself, and I think that's a big part of it. I don't really talk about forgiveness that much, so I'm glad that she does, because I think that'll connect with a lot of people beyond what I normally do. So let's listen to Anissa. As much as I'm interested in great audio, I'm I'm also interested in plastic. (laughs) Or the opposite of Me it. Me too. Or... Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah. This past week was hard. <laughs> How so? I hope you don't mind if I just jump in and ask the details of it, because I have a feeling a lot will come out, and I think that might be a good place to start. Yeah, sure. That sounds good to me. Okay. So what was what were the facts of what happened? What did you do? What did you not do? What was the plan? Yeah. Well, I, I tried to, to do my normal week, right? So I didn't want to choose to go or not go to the grocery store or take or not take my lunch or, you know, things like that. I I tried to do sort of my normal routine for the week. And there were a number of times where I just sort of forgot because 
it's really easy to get into a habit of doing something and forgetting what comes along with <laughs> with ordering food from a certain restaurant or uh, ordering things online, all of which come with an enormous amount of packaging, yeah. including plastic packaging. I just, you know, I, I live in a city. I do a lot of shopping online just because it's hard to get around here to, you know, haul things from a store to my house without a car and that kind of thing. So, yeah, and that was, uh, there's a lot of plastic involved in that. This is like totally standard is that, of the people I've spoken to, it's, you know, they prepare when, when they take on the challenge, they think, all right, I know what I'm preparing. And then when it happens, it's not, you know, you foresee a certain amount and then there's a ton that you don't foresee, which is yeah. the modern world, which is what is right. creating the mess that we're in. I mean, I right. think it's a mess. Yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. Absolutely. I, and there were actually the other thing that I found really interesting was that I, I became very grateful for the vendors and restaurants here in DC who have made an effort because I did forget, you know, once or twice that I was headed to a restaurant for lunch that I needed to pick up to bring back to the office. And I just like forgot that I needed to watch out for plastic. And I got to like the cash register and I realized that what they had handed me was compostable or what they'd handed me was, you know, like a paperboard container instead of like styrofoam or plastic that I, that would be one time use. And I, that was not my doing. That was theirs. And I was just really grateful for that. That was like made me realize that there is some effort happening without me. <laughs> And then I realized, you know, all the times that I messed up, that there were a lot of times when, you know, that was totally on me. All right. So despite what I also said about this community and so forth, there's a part of me that also says, all right, a taco package here, a taco package there. <laughs> mm -hmm. But that's not going to add up to much more than a bunch of taco packages. And meanwhile, you know, there's a ship out at sea right now that's got this sludge in the bottom of it right. that's like polluting like yeah. millions of cars with the pollution. Right. So what do we say about that? <laughs> Sorry to put you on the spot. I mean, yeah. or rather, yeah. Let, me, let me put it this way. I can tell by the way you're reacting. This is not something that you, it's not something new to you. You've heard people talk this way before. Yes. Has your experience of the past week changed that? Huh. That's an interesting question. I think I sort of came back a couple times during the week to the part of our conversation last time where we talked about the choices that we all make in our day-to-day -day lives and how, you know, instead of doing things better for the environment as like a, a burden or as something you're giving up, it's more of just like a choice, one thing over another and the blue socks instead of the red socks. And I shouldn't have used red socks. I'm sure there are sports fans. <laughs> blue socks instead of green socks. And I think this week kind of highlighted that for me. It's not, you are not solving everything by making better decisions. But if, if I see them as just a choice, better versus worse, then it's not, it's not like a burden to make choices that are better for the earth. And if enough people see them as choices, then, you know, the, the group of us make some amount of difference. The choices are always there anyway, whether right. you choose to act on them or not. It's up to you. Right. And if you don't, the words that come to it, it feels to me like you would be abdicating responsibility. 
Whereas if you do, then you're actively choosing how to live your life. I mean, that's my language. Is that how you'd put it? Is that, did I fairly represent what you said? Yeah. Yeah, I think so. I don't want to put you on the spot. Well, this whole thing's putting you on the spot. It's fine. <laughs> uh, before <laughs> this challenge, were you not taking responsibility or did this highlight something for you? Was it, was there a different character to what you did as a result of this week? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, it's, it's kind of like when you, when you try to change any behavior, like a, like a behavior that you've been doing that might be destructive or if, if you've ever tried to like change the way you interact with uh, people around you consciously, like you have to notice the behavior before you can change it. Right. That's like, that's what we teach children. That's what we try to teach ourselves when we change a behavior. And so this week I noticed it and I, I, <laughs> I, there are tons of time when I just don't notice that I have made a choice that just like made it easier for me to use plastic. I think the first step to changing your behavior is actually noticing that you're doing it. And it's very hard to notice that you're doing it unless you put some focused time into, you know, being conscious about it. And so that's what last week did. It sort of life is easier when you don't have to pay attention to these things. <laughs> is it a sort of, I don't I actually, know. I, I, yeah. I, have to, I also have to comment. I just came from the dentist a couple, like a couple hours ago. Mm -hmm. And as I walked out, they hand me this bag and reflexively without thinking about it, I hand back the bag, you know, inside is like a, a toothbrush, some toothpaste and some floss. Mm -hmm. And, and I hand back the bag and I hand back the floss because the floss I'm looking at, like I use these little, they're actually plastic, these little um, fork type things. I don't know what you call it. They yeah, like, yeah. And so I don't want the other one and I don't want the bag because I give back bags. And as I'm leaving, I'm like, wait, something's up, something's up. And I'm like, well, the toothpaste, like I'm probably going to move to, you know, you can make this stuff at home without having to buy the toothpaste. And I've just been reading mm -hmm. like a lot of toothpaste to get is like not particularly healthy. And the toothbrush, I was like, I tried a non-plastic toothbrush and it, it was terrible. It didn't work for me. So <laughs> yeah. I didn't mind the toothbrush, but I still walked out with something that I didn't want. It was like, I was like overloaded. I, I didn't think when I went to the dentist, like also they gave me a cup to, you know, swish out with. And I was like, oh, plastic cup. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And then, and then I, they moved me to another room after the x-rays, you know, after the polishing and they gave me another cup. I was like, damn it, another one. And it was in the bag. <laughs> I was like, how much do I yeah. want to get into this with these guys? Like, yeah, I just think we, we put a lot of pressure on ourselves to do when we do, we talked about this a little bit last time, actually, but like when we do something, we want to do it all or we give up. <laughs> there were a couple of times last week where I was like, oh, like I, I, I can't figure out how to purchase meat or tofu at the grocery store or anywhere else. Oh, I want to not going to get plastic. Out. No, I didn't. Uh, there's like a butcher shop somewhere across town that like I might be able to do it at. But, you know, it's like, how can I get protein without plastic? And I, I was having a really hard time figuring out and I'm, I'm still going to try to, you know, track it down somehow. But I, that I had the instinct at one point to say like, well, I just can't do this because it's if I can't eliminate it, then it's just not worth doing. And I think that's a really like it's not a good instinct for us to to stay motivated in like trying to do things better because you, you're not going to be able to find everything. You're not going to be able to do everything, but you should try to do as much as possible. And by trying to do everything last week, I was able to realize 
like I said, some of those choices that I was making unconsciously. And I don't think you can discover that unless you like really try, you know, to push yourself. So I'm not saying that we shouldn't push ourselves. I'm just saying, I think, you know, it's okay to be forgiving with yourself. The feeling of guilt is not really very helpful. All right. Now I have another question for you. <laughs> a challenging question that this, I haven't asked anyone this. And I, it's a question I ask myself a lot. So you're talking about some changes that you've made. My read is that you like them. They're modest scale. Mm-hmm. They're hard. You also work with the environment enough that you know the scale of, of the global problems and so forth. And you said you like what I'm doing. Do you think we got a chance at, at getting out of this mess? Like, do you think we got a chance at, at, uh, keeping it below two degrees Celsius, the global temperature rise? Or do you think that this, what I'm doing with this podcast to be more personal is like going to get, is going to effectively move the needle? Cause we're, so far I've talked to a, a few dozen people and we're seeing some changes, like a couple people are getting rid of cars. That seems like a pretty big change because I didn't ask them to take get rid of cars, but they're doing it on mm-hmm. their own. But even so, if even if like dozens or thousands or even tens of thousands or hundreds of thousands of people get rid of cars, it's like nothing. It's a difficult question because it, it comes to the the like point of personal motivation, right? Like the I working in the environmental movement, I have to decide if I am motivated purely by the notion that we're going to reach that goal of limiting to two degrees or and or if I'm motivated by other changes in society and the environment. And believe me, I know the seriousness of the environmental disasters that we're facing. I also know that it's sort of unpredictable what we're going to be able to do and whether we're going to be able to succeed in doing it. So in the work that I do, I I try to stay motivated by the community and personal scale changes that we're able to make with the what we're doing with the next generation and, and in schools and that sort of thing, because I know that we honestly don't know. Like we don't know exactly what kinds of interplay there's going to be between environmental factors and climate and melting of ice caps. And like, there's a lot of things at play and we're not actually positive what's going to happen with the things that we've done to this earth. And so the thing that, that keeps me motivated is that there are changes that we can make as people and as communities on large and small scales that have a whole host of benefits to the environment and also to populations and to people's well-being and health and all kinds of things. And those all have, you know, this mix of good benefits uh, and good things that are brought into the world by just trying to make better choices about how we operate buildings, how we build them, how we educate children about the future, how we you know, act in the world, how we make laws, all those things, like we can do them better. We know how to do them better. And so there's no reason not to because of the whole host of benefits that they bring to people and the environment. That was a really long answer to your (laughs) question. Sorry. (laughs) Well, So to to summarize it, I think what you were saying, tell me if I got it right, is that Mm -hmm. with regard to the question of will we make it, we don't know. 
it's a lot of un like it would be impossible to know. And more relevant to you, I think, is the question of how do we motivate ourselves? Is it worth doing? And so you talked about what the motivations. Yeah, and the impacts. Right. And and the known impacts of things that we do that are also good for the environment and also imperative for the environment. So there's, you know, like everything we do that's good for the environment is generally good for people's health and well-being and prosperity. I mean, you know, generally speaking, like that's all true. So there's, there's a lot that that can motivate us to do things that are better for the earth. Are you more or less the same motivated now as compared to a week ago? I would say in terms of motivation, nothing's really changed from that perspective because I, I don't know, I get motivated by the, the sort of collective action. And this one was a very personal look at my own part in that, which was helpful. And I, I'm motivated to be a better part of that community of action, but it didn't necessarily like paint a bigger picture for me uh, of the kind of impact that. Mm-hmm. Cause I want to go back to the meat. <laughs> I, I don't need meat. So part of me is like, well, it's re- really easy to get like <laughs> when I got the pressure cooker and I could yeah. make beans in like five minutes or lentils, beans would take like 10, 20 minutes. And it's like so quick and so much more delicious than when I get them from a can. They they taste bland now in comparison. Yeah. And the canned ones take, taste bland in comparison to the ones that I cook myself. I think if I'm sure I, I suspect you're going to eat less meat and maybe even less tofu and tempeh stuff like that, and go more toward raw, uh, you know, from the ground stuff. But I think more about the meat. I think I think there's a relationship with the. Maybe I said this before, but I think that. The, what will happen is that you'll form a relationship with someone who cares about their, the product that they're selling you and that you'll be glad that you did it. Like you'll find out that you, you'll end up with like better quality meat or something like that. What goes hand in hand with not knowing how it's packaged or not, not really caring how it's packaged is also like not caring as much what's in the package. Mm-hmm. I'm not sure. Mm-hmm. I haven't been in the meat market for a long time. <laughs> <laughs> no, I think that's probably right. I mean, that, that actually brings me to another aspect of this past week. So it's actually, I'm I'm not sure, I think it's been two weeks since we talked last. And so the second week I I needed to go to Houston uh, for a a resilient schools event. And I was was speaking there and I was there for two days and staying in a hotel and in airports and And also around a lot of people in Houston who are trying so hard to do the best things that they can for the environment. And I, it, because I was doing this challenge, I, A, noticed how much plastic is in airports. Uh, <laughs> and now floating up to sea from Houston and Florida. Oh my gosh. Yeah. Well, that's true. Yeah. But the, the other thing that I, realized is, you know, I can choose, you can choose, you're in New York, right? So like, I can choose to go to a butcher in DC, who probably has some way of packing up the meat for me, in not plastic. I actually am not positive where you would find that in Houston, or where I'm from in Little Rock, or, you know, where I went to college in St. Louis, like, I don't know, 
some of the smaller mid-sized cities or the cities in places that, you know, are not known for being that environmentally conscious, I think it's a really hard to find those kinds of solutions. Feeling inspired? Do you like hearing others acting that you're not alone? Go to joshuaspodek.com slash podcast to hear other interviews, but even more valuable. Join the growing community of people who care enough to act, not just talk. Read the list of people who have taken on personal challenges and then commit to one yourself. Don't be surprised if you end up loving it, changing more, and finding people following you without you even trying. That's what happens when you improve your life by living by your values. Yeah, you said a lot there. I think that uh, first and foremost for me, the choice is based on delicious. And the beans <laughs> yeah. are delicious, especially when I, after, well, at the beginning they weren't, but I had learned how to prepare them. So I had to oh, yeah. go through this trial by fire or trial by, by, by pressure land <laughs> of like this, you know, well, I know this will sustain me, but it doesn't taste very good to eventually finding, oh, I see if I mix this with that, it tastes really good. And I've thrown a little bit of this, it tastes even better. Mm. I mean, I don't, you can get dry beans anywhere. I, I right. think, I got to imagine dry beans are going to be easier to get than meat. Maybe not. Oh, yeah. I don't know. Oh yeah, no, that was part of my point. Yeah, like that that part of a that solution is easier than trying to go find like a butcher who's going to wrap your stuff in paper. Like that's that could be more difficult to actually like look for a provider that's going to be doing things differently. Mm-hmm. Beans and like that's kind of that's like the that becomes the harder choice than the easier choice to go with a different source of protein or a different, you know, way of, of, um, cooking, because, you know, for me, I can find a way around the meat problem, <laughs> meat and plastic problem. But for people who might, that might not be the, that might not be the easiest choice for people in other places. Yeah. I guess, I don't know. I don't feel spoiled. Yeah. I mean, I guess I would say if you remove it from the food sphere, I'm really curious, for instance, like where where are the people that you're interviewing who are doing trying to go without cars? Yeah, actually, you made me think that uh, I should put an effort into talking to people who don't live in cities because I yeah. think most of the people I've talked to have. Yeah, I, I just like giving up a car here in D.C. is actually like pretty easy. I'm, I've gone without a car for years. So, you know, that's not like a hard challenge once you once you start thinking through it a bit, but you know, so the car I, again, people, again, go back to Houston. Like I, I don't think you can do Houston without navigating with cars right now. Yeah. The know? two cases of people I've talked to so far, one of them, the guy I spoke to in the couple months before our conversation, he had met, proposed to and married a woman. And when they moved in together, they went from two cars to one. And then for the challenge, wow. they were moving from Houston. I believe it was Houston, definitely Texas. And they were both moving to, uh, I think, Brussels or Belgium, maybe Antwerp, Belgium. Mm. And they were on the fence of whether they should keep a car or go to no car. And they used he used, in, in concert with her, the personal challenge to choose to go to no car. So I don't know oh, if, cool. if this challenge can, you know, they were halfway there already. But And the other was a guy who, I didn't ask him if it was his only car or a second car. I presume it was his second car, but he, most of his life, he had aspired to get a Jaguar and he bought a Jaguar and he loved that car. And his personal challenge was to go for uh, a month and put no more than 100 kilometers on it up in, I say kilometers because he's in Canada, yeah. uh, uh, Vancouver. And he kept it under a, 
a hundred. He was at 90 kilometers for the month. And he okay. then he's actually going on a third time. And between now and the third time, he's going to decide he, he may get rid of the Jaguar, which was oh, not wow. that was not part of the challenge. That was his thing that he just thought, well, if I'm only doing it 90 kilometers a month, I should just eliminate it. Well, I mean, listen to that episode. It's Dove Baron. Okay. But it's, I think a big thing was that he knows the value of the car, but he also knows the value of not the car, of mm. the absence of the car. And I think he's seeing a greater value in not having the car. For example, there's something, a practice that he does, that he's done many times, which is, and that he gives to his clients, which is when you eat a meal to put all your attention into the meal and really focus on it. And listeners who know my stuff, it's like my three raisins exercise. And it's a, it's a, a very effective mindfulness exercise. Mm-hmm. And he, when he was at 90 kilometers, he knew that if, if he went for another drive, he could easily go over it. So he just went out to the car and just sat in the car and did that exercise, but with the car. How did the car get here? What were, you know, all the wood paneling? Where did it come from? And what was the network of people that created it? And how does the engine work and things like that? And then he got back out of the car and went back inside. And I think he was like, okay, I, he didn't need to be driving the car to get the value that of what the car meant to him. And then having the car meant pollution and so forth. And that wasn't something that he values. Right. You know, I didn't say it as yep. well as he did. And actually, so for me, I've been giving, like, I've done a few dozen interviews and mostly it's been people doing like that was what, that's the high water mark so far of someone mm-hmm. taking something on really big. But almost everyone takes on something more. And I have to start thinking all this is pre-launch. So people who are everyone who's I'm interviewing has not heard other people being interviewed. So at some point, the team that I hired to make the page is finally going to finish and the stuff is going to go out. And people I'm going to start interviewing people who have heard what's going on and they'll come in. And I want to see if I can amp up this so that it's not just avoiding plastic for a week. Or, you know, relatively small scale stuff. I mean, mm-hmm. however challenging it is internally, it's not making that big of a difference. Well, there, I mean, there are a lot of people who are trying to affect sustainability changes in their organizations as part of their job. And it would be really fascinating to hear about one thing that they're planning on doing and then sort of ask them how it went. Afterwards, I'm thinking of like, you know, there are, we have a network of sustainability directors around the country who work in school districts and, you know, collectively their, their choices impact like over 7 million students. This is not a small scale, you know, um, impact that they as a collective are making. And a lot of them are making really inspiring choices to make big change at school districts, you know, like wholesale purchasing decisions for cafeterias or, you know, whole curriculum uh, changes like across the entire science curriculum or energy management projects that are going to impact, you know, uh, 30% savings on every building in the whole district. Like those are the kinds of changes that they're trying to make. It would be really interesting to talk to people are kind of in that position. It's part of their job, sure, but like they're in that position because they really care about it. And they, a lot of times are trying to make big culture-based changes in a big organization. And they confront a lot of the stuff that like you confront when you try to make change in any organization, you know, like change management one-on-one. A lot of them study a lot of change management techniques because like that's what they have to confront if they're going to implement sustainability and in their school districts. You keep saying they, but I feel like, aren't you one of these people? 
give them what they need, but I don't work for a school district. Oh, they don't you are make decisions a, that can affect lots of people. Maybe not on that scale, but on some meaningful scale. I, you know, I did started my career in New Orleans doing that kind of work, but now I just try to help other people make those decisions. So I'm, I'm the one that like, you know, gives them some language for a purchasing contract for their, for their cafeteria. And then I help them try to do that in their school district, that kind of activity. So you influence them. Right. Part of me is like, I want to, well, part of me wants to wrap up because it's been about an hour yeah. and I want listeners to feel refreshed. <laughs> and part of me is also like, I wonder if, I wonder if there's a next thing that you want to, that you've done X, what's next? Actually, I want to, I want to just get better at this one. I know that's not quite as refreshing as you might <laughs> be looking uh-huh. for, but like, I haven't figured out the meat thing yet. I want to figure it out. Like I'm either going to figure it out or I'm going to start eating a lot more beans. So, <laughs> but I also, you know, they're in the airport. That was, I, that was a massive fail for me because I was not anticipating what I would confront there. <laughs> and so like packing ahead of time or just like preparing a bit more for trips in the airport, I, I could do a lot better there. And I, I just want to, I want to figure that out. It's like a puzzle at this point. It's a puzzle. I want to figure these little pieces out. Uh-huh. You know, I basically confronted the puzzle figured out where the sticky spots were and I haven't really figured out how to solve those sticky spots yet. Well, can I ask you a favor that when things start, when, when the sticky parts start getting unstuck? Yeah. That you let me know. And and if you're up for sharing what solution you found for the butcher or for meat or for your diet and what worked for, like if you found out you're in some situation like the airport in in a future time and you realize that you figured out something that worked, can you, Would you be up for sharing that again? Yeah. Yeah, sure. Okay, cool. So then let's keep in touch about that. And then I guess for the listeners, they'll just hear at some point, they'll be like, oh, here she is again. (laughs) I mean, presumably some people are looking at it like, well, obviously there's a third one right after the second one. So she's obviously, anyway. Well, uh, maybe, I mean, it it depends on what you want to cut out of our conversation, but you could just probably put it with this one if you wanted to. I don't know what your timeline is. I've been thinking about it. I want to keep things separate conversations so that people can see the change between them. Mm, I don't want to put them between because I think I think it's important for people to see something that I missed for a long time in trying to share. Like I want these big transformations. I I, I didn't tell people about the six months or year of having bland food. And like as if it was just magical that I just suddenly knew how to cook the way that I cook now. I think that (laughs) that makes it harder for people as much as I'd like people to make the switch overnight. Yeah, no, it's a good point. Anything to leave the listeners with? Anything, any lessons or advice or something to share? I have always considered that I am already a pretty environmentally conscious person, but taking on a challenge like this really, it was very eye-opening because I sort of take it for granted that I am probably making good choices and then noticing that I am not uh, in some cases was it wasn't depressing. It was like enlightening. I found it enlightening. And so, you know, if you're open to noticing your actions and, and open to the possibility that things can be different or things might not be the way they seem, (laughs) uh, it's actually a, a really cool 
learning experience. I really appreciate your sharing so openly. And I mean, I heard some vulnerability in there to say, I thought I was one way and I wasn't. Yeah. And addressing that, how it could sound, but you said enlightening. And I think most people like the idea of being more enlightened than they are. Yeah, I certainly did. I mean, I'm I'm not all the way there. Clearly, I got to work on that meat. (laughs) (laughs) But I, I enjoyed learning something about myself, you know, and that's kind of the way that I tried to approach this. Like I was learning about myself and my choices and and just sort of trying to notice them and the you know the next step that we're going to talk about later is uh, a couple more changes choosing to avoid something because it had plastic in it but actually seeking out the alternative which it you know takes a little bit of time to seek it out as you said with your bland cooking (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) yeah well all right i think i i really like how that ended and um so I'm going to make a note on my calendar. If I haven't heard from you in a certain time, I'll check in to see how things are going with the butcher and the airplane, airport type stuff. All right. That sounds and good. I want to thank you for sharing what you shared. And, sure. And thank on the you. Channel. Thanks. Thanks for doing this podcast. I appreciate it even more now after doing that. Well, I'll say you're welcome because you said thank you, but really I want to thank you. <laughs> <laughs> Great. And we'll talk again soon, right? Yes. I look forward to it. Okay. Bye. Bye. I don't know if I can put things any better than Anissa did. You'll cripple yourself if you make your goal to fix all the problems all by yourself overnight. It's simply recognizing that there are choices that you can make in everything that you do, and some of these choices are better or worse by your standards. You don't have to ask other people for their opinions or get some absolute measure. Do you like plastic litter in your environment more or less? You can choose how you act on these things. I feel like that's her bottom lesson is that you can choose. After that, she's introspective and thoughtful of what comes next. And I really like how she goes beyond just what am I doing now, but what comes next and so forth. And this comes back to one of the things that has been a big touchstone for me in making this podcast and acting environmentally is that if you want to improve your life, there are lots of places where you can act. There's fitness, there's diet, there's education, there's relationships, there's all sorts of areas. The environment is a pretty effective one to work on. If you're looking to improve your life, if you're looking to raise your self-awareness, to change your behaviors, things like that, the environment is a pretty safe place to start and a pretty effective one too, as Anissa showed. Once you learn to apply it in one area of the environment, you can apply it to other areas and in other areas and other areas. And next thing you know, you've improved your life by your standards and having fun along the way. Did you feel inspired too? Then act. Go to joshuaspodak.com slash podcast and click to commit to your personal challenge so you can inspire others. Value means better and worse, and living by your values means living better by your values. You may struggle at first, but it's the hero's journey from living by others' values to living by yours. People say that little things add up. I won't argue against it, but what I find counts is acting. Doing something, anything, starts that mindset shift from the debilitating others should act first or making excuses to the empowering I can make a difference and living by my values improves my life. I don't have to wait for others to act first. I'm looking for leaders, people who will bring what works here in this podcast to communities I haven't reached. Billions of people want to change their behavior. There's room for leadership from personal leadership of just yourself to whatever scale you want. Start by acting and changing yourself. Go to joshuaspodak.com slash podcast and commit to your personal challenge.